How do you you do? How do you do? (laughs) Sabrina, last week was your birthday episode, and this week is your birthday encounters. And I realized last week we were so jazzed about everything that had happened (laughs) the week before your wedding that I never sang to you. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sabrina. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. That was really beautiful. Yeah. And it's still timely because we're recording this one day before your actual birthday. We are. Um, the eve of my birth. The eve of your... Do you... I probably ask you this every single year on your birthday. Uh-huh. Do you know what time you were born? 8.16 p.m. on 8.26. Someone out there has got to know what that means. <laughs> well, I think you have to look specifically into your, like, the exact location that you were born and then it charts, like, your moon sign and everything. Mm. I did it once, but I don't have enough recollection of what everything was. Yeah. I wish my great aunt Irene was alive because she was an astrologist. So cool. Yes. Many greats ago, (laughs) I had an aunt who wrote down the birth chart for my great aunt Rose and everything that she had written down was extremely accurate, extremely correct. And then my grandma Judy, the sister of younger sister of Rose, she didn't get one about her, but she really wanted to. That is so cool. To have that ability, to have yeah. that knowledge. I wish. We could study it. I let's do it. Okay. With all well, the time. Another we have. hobby for us. <laughs> as we complained about. I mean, it would be kind of fun just to understand that more. I'm I'm open to it. We can dabble. Here's the thing. Yeah. I'm big on trying things and not feeling like you have to commit to them. Yeah, and it's okay to fail. I've probably played it. I only stuck with a couple things. So I feel like there's no pressure to just because you buy the supplies, just because you think you can pick something up and you keep talking about it and get people excited about it. Doesn't mean you have to continue. If you don't like it or you lose interest, move on. Exactly. It's great to try things at least once. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. Exactly. So we'll try it and we'll report back. (laughs) And we'll try to remember to introduce our podcast at the beginning of every episode, but... And this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And this is an Encounters episode, and I picked a very spooky topic, pulling a page out of Corinne's book of life. Because I decided to do stories, specifically encounters about the outdoors, about camping. Camping, hiking. You were like, let's head outside. And I was like, this is so unlike you, but I'm freaking down. (laughs) You know what's interesting is that I feel like summer just started, even though it's the end of summer. But then I have just recently i think i was in trader joe's today and i just saw like the soups and all like little like baked stuff and i was just like wow i'm so ready for fall oh and psls are back yeah exactly so i think it's just in the air it's coming the pumpkin spice smell is like starting to reach my nostrils and go into my brain and uh, brainwash me which is my grocery store has halloween decor out now they have Halloween candy, and they also have a hole in their flower section, a whole section of just fall dried flowers and oh little ghost gosh. candle holders. I'm so into it. <gasps> uh, I cannot wait until I have a home and I can just buy – I want like 
full dishware and glassware that is all like Halloween related. Yeah. And just take it out for the month of October. And September as well. I guess, yeah, I'll start in September. <laughs> I'm also really excited. I know that we'll, we'll tell your stories soon. But I'm also really excited because Nick's mom, many, many years ago, I think when Nick was in college, bought Nick a psycho shower lining, like curtain. <laughs> and we've never had a shower with like the curtain rods. Mm-hmm. But we finally have one, and you know I'm going to put that up this year. Oh, I cannot wait to see it. This is going to be good. It's going to be so fun. I feel like this is take two. We're still, you know, a little bit in a pandemic. We're spending a lot of time inside in our own homes. Mm-hmm. So this is the time to, like, go balls to the wall with decor. Cause oh. It's really mostly going to just be you seeing it. So, And I can't wait to just look at Halloween decor all day, every day. Me too. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> now I just got so like, I just got like in my head about making my house a haunted house and making my friends come in and endure it. Don't you want your friends to be the actors or are you going to pay some people to no, jump out? I, it's a one man show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you just create like a ventilation system up in the, up in the so room I can crawl just, through. Crawl between rooms. <laughs> That actually would be very scary, and I can reach my hand down and touch people's hair. Oh, my God. Ooh. Wait, you know what would be such a good invention is gloves that are so sticky that you can truly climb up walls like Spider-Man. <gasps> so you could just be upside down or, like, I in the I think you would need, like, full clothes with that, though, just to hold yourself up. Probably. Unless like, you're – you have yeah. – you need, like, sticky knee pads and it elbow seems complicated, pads. but it would be fun. I'm going to put your own advice back to you. Try everything once. Try everything once. Well, if someone invents it, I will. No, we have to try inventing it. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the ownership is back on us. (laughs) But the ownership is on all of you for sending us your spooky tales, your encounters, whether they be sad, loving, disturbing, questionable. We have them. We have them. Should I start? I think because it's your birthday episode. Absolutely. Okay. This is from our listener, Leisha. And it's called Little Girl Told Me Her Story with Screwed Up Visions. Hey, Corinne and Sabrina, huge fan here. Well, I'll just start off real quick with my story because it's a long one. I still can't decide if this was my mind or if I experienced something paranormal. I have never experienced anything like this before, and I'm a believer in the paranormal and have had a few little experiences that aren't worth sharing, so who knows, you know? My little family and my best friend and her family went on a glamping trip to a family-friendly campground Labor Day weekend of 2020. We chose this campground because it has themes, and every Labor Day weekend, this campground happens to have a Halloween theme. I found this campground in 2019, saw the Halloween theme, and had to book. Campers deck out their sites with spooky Halloween decor, a DJ holds a spooky nighttime dance, a costume contest, Halloween-themed crafts, and best of all, trick-or-treating. So we had a blast in 2019 and had to book 2020. I convinced my best friend to pack up her little family and join us, and she agreed. More so because she was excited about the Halloween theme. But then COVID happened, and while they still allowed us to camp, they canceled the Halloween theme. Ugh, whatever. I can't even. So the first night, I lay my head down and close my eyes. Immediately, I had a vision-like thing happen. I'm going to have a hard time explaining how this all is. It was like a clear colored picture, like I was standing right there 
seeing this with my own two eyes. Kind of like my eyelids became a projector screen for a cleared color still photo. Normally when I close my eyes, I just see dark swirls, but this was so different. And no way in hell was I asleep that fast because I have the hardest time falling asleep and staying asleep like some sort of insomnia. Anyway, I close my eyes and I see a little blonde girl face down at the bottom of the stairs of the cabin, a pool of blood surrounding her head. My eyes popped open. That is not fucking cool. I thought of my two-year-old, that it was my Amalia who fell down the stairs. Why would I think of that? So I calmed down and closed my eyes. And again, that little blonde girl was in my face. Her eye was far from okay and her head was beyond full of blood. So I jumped and my eyes flew open again. What the hell? I start feeling like shit. And why am I thinking of these horrific things of a kid? It made me feel like something could happen to my daughter and it made my anxiety soar. But I calmed down and I closed my eyes again. This time I was in the cabin kitchen and a man turned around and the look on his face was of anger and he had wildly huge eyes and looked at me and said, who the hell are you? Immediately, my eyes opened to see the silhouette of a girl, my daughter's age, at my eye level, laying down. My eyes saw an outline of hair and face shape, but no features. It wasn't black, but wasn't transparent. It was, I don't know. I just know that it was not my kid. So I closed my eyes again, and I started to put all these things together, thinking either something shitty will happen to my daughter or something shitty happened to a girl her age. Either way, I was afraid as hell. But after I closed my eyes this time, I didn't see any more images, thankfully. But I did feel like a cold feeling. It was a static feeling, but in my skin. A cold that spread about three feet on my side, the size of my daughter. Look, I was already cold. I know cold because I live in Minnesota. It was 42 degrees outside by the fire that night, and Caleb and I were already frozen climbing into bed. This was a different feeling I had never felt before. I really can't describe it, but I've never felt it before. Static, a cold that didn't go through my body, but definitely felt inside my skin. Prickly, but not painful. I ended up falling asleep anyway, and I thought paranormal, but then I thought, well, I am frozen under three blankets. I don't know. I wasn't afraid of the cold. If a little girl was trying to cuddle, go for it. I didn't have a fear of anything but the visions and thought of harm happening to my baby or another child hurt my heart. But I didn't think or feel evil or anything. I'm sorry, I'm new to the paranormal feelings, things and such, and I didn't really know what to think. Maybe I'm crazy, or I don't know, maybe it is paranormal. I couldn't decide to be honest, so I played both cards on myself. So I told the adults the next day, and they laughed at me. But we continued on with our day, and that night I went to the bathroom before heading to bed, and I heard what I can only describe as scratches at the bottom of the outer wall. We saw a chipmunk while we were at the fire that night, so I thought maybe it was that. But then the scratches again started up at the top of the wall. Wouldn't I have heard the chipmunk scurrying up the wall first? So I stood there for a minute, just listening. The window to the bathroom was a small rectangle above the tub, and it was open. And then I started to hear very slow footsteps outside, like an adult sneaking around. They were adult-sized sounds, not kid footsteps. So I left the bathroom and ran to the bedroom and told Caleb that someone was outside the bathroom scratching the wall and walking. So he gets up, turns off the bathroom light, climbs onto the tub ledge and looks and listens. Nothing. He stands there for about two minutes and then decided to throw the front door light on. Nobody was around. We went back to bed. 
Not 10 minutes later, we hear the very distinct sound of a butter knife being dropped handle side down and clattering on the floor. Caleb jumps out of bed and runs to the kitchen. I hear him whisper, what the fuck? So I get out of bed, nothing, not a toy, not a knife. There's nothing on the floor or the counter. We checked on our little one and she was sleeping like a rock. We swore it was the sound of a knife hitting the kitchen floor. It was, but there was absolutely nothing out of place, nothing on the floor. This was a tiny cabin, so you really can't miss a thing. We were both confused, but we went to bed and fell asleep. I awoke to a loud whisper outside my window. Leash! I jumped up, but I thought Christina was outside my window and was trying to get my attention. So I opened the window, but she wasn't there. I checked my phone. It's 4.30 in the morning. No missed calls, no texts. So I went to the front door and turned on the front light, and still no sign of Christina. I swear on everything it was Christina's voice, loud, whispering my name. She's one of the extreme few who call me Leash, and I had always told her that if Sawyer, Jax, Phil, or her ever needed the bathroom or our help with anything to get a hold of me. She's not a camper and wasn't comfortable being away from home, so we offered her help for comfort instead of walking a longer way to the public bathroom to come to our cabin. I swear it was her. In a dead fucking sleep, I heard her whisper my name. Now, the only time I hear people whisper my name is when I'm on my way to dreamland. I have never been awoken by someone loud whispering to me in a dead sleep. Confused, thinking maybe she had given up, I went to bed. Next morning, I told the adults everything. And no, Christina was not there at 4.30 a.m. I've known her for 18 years, and I know she's not one to screw around at night when she's uncomfortable where she is. Later that night, we started discussing everything that had been happening to me, and we came to the conclusion that there was someone here, and that something horrific happened. Christina had admitted that she ended up hearing whispering in our bathroom the previous night and knew it was not us. The rest of us were all outside talking normally. Those whispers came from within the bathroom. And this bathroom is the size of a small camper bathroom without a sink. Nobody else was in there with her. When she admitted this, Caleb admitted that he was hearing whispers after I fell asleep the night we heard the knife fall. He said he laid there for about an hour and heard two people talk. He got up, started reaching for his gun, and the whispering stopped. This led to Christina saying she had been seeing a shadow of Amalia pass through the bedroom to the kitchen multiple times. <gasps> Caleb said he had seen the same thing, and Phil did too, but Amalia never came out of her room. Knowing my kid, she'd come busting out the front door like, I'm here, let's party, bitches. Good luck getting me back to bed. Yes, my child is super sassy and full of wicked hyper energy and acts just like that. So when they never saw her come out, they knew something was up and didn't want to freak me out. It even more pissed me off thinking that if there were something here, it could be bothering the little ones. Sawyer and Jackson were sleeping in our cabin until Phil and Christina left, and to be honest, Amalia woke up every night crying, and she doesn't do that normally. So I started to watch the windows. I had never seen the shadow, and I didn't see the curtains move open and shut like a child peeking out of the window, but the other three did. So I made Caleb go in and adjust the window. And sure enough, all three kids were sleeping. But I watched as the horizontal blinds, one by one, started to slowly open from the bottom blind up. Not only was I freaked watching this and my heart beating in my throat, but Mama Bear and me started to get royally pissed. We watched these blinds open and shut for a while. Finally, I stormed inside, shut the fucking blinds with my hands, shut the window that was creaked open, which could have been why they kept opening, and I went to the kitchen. 
And I said, look, I am so sorry you're here. I am so, so sorry you haven't moved on to heaven. I don't know how to help. We're only here for this night. We leave in the morning. So I need everyone here to leave that little girl alone and leave me alone. You have no reason to bother us, to show us horrifically sad pictures, to be running around throwing knives. Just stop tonight. We had no idea we intruded your space. We absolutely mean no harm. And from the feeling I get, you need help. Someone to hear your story. I've seen some of your story. And again, I'm so very sorry and I will pray for you, but please leave us alone. Obviously, this is more just the gist of what I said. I just kept blabbing and blabbing on. Sure, I was pissed because don't mess with my kid. Sure, I was sad. I'm a mom and children don't deserve to be harmed in any way. But geez, if I had to put all this together the second night, I probably would have said prayers or tried something to help. Anyway... That night, I got the best sleep I had had in a while. Nothing happened. Before we left, I went into the cabin alone and said a prayer. I also said that I am sorry for the harm done to you. I'm sorry I can't help. And I'm sorry if I was rude last night. I said something along the lines of, I hope you get to heaven, that you finish your business here if that's why you're stuck. I hope someone can help. I blabbed on again. But I also said, you cannot follow us home. Your business is here, not with us. You are not welcome with us. We have enough shit and enough ghosts at home. That's my story. I had looked up the land and the campground and the county and looked for anything I could find about a possible death of a little girl near that area, and I found nothing. But I didn't try super hard. I kind of just Googled death of little girl in such and such county and death of little girl in campground in such and such city and the state we were camping in. I looked around a bit and gave up. But I hope that if all of that was paranormal and true, I wasn't losing my mind and my fiance and friends weren't pulling things on me and that that little girl finds her way home. I'd also ask for that particular cabin again and go prepared next time. I'll send in my family and friends paranormal stories and the only other one of mine that counts later. Thanks for reading. So much love. Keep up the great work. Leisha. It's just so scary. You're glamping. Like you're out. You're with your family. You think it's going to be a fun trip. And then you spend all of this time trying to make sense of the sound of knives falling onto the floor and seeing someone out of the corner of your mm-hmm. eye. And you're in a new space. So you're like naturally thinking maybe it's one of the kids. But then to realize that there's something else. In the short pocket of time you're there, you're experiencing so, so much. Yeah. I'd be looking over my shoulder everywhere I went. I wouldn't want to go to the bathroom by myself. Although it does sound, I mean, yes, it's scary. But even the way that Leisha said she would go back next time because now she knows what's there and she's prepared for it. Like it truly sounds like a really sad little girl. That's true. Who, I mean, the way that like she felt that cold as if there was like a three foot person trying to snuggle up to her. Didn't she say in the beginning that she had a dream or suddenly she was envisioning a girl at the bottom of the stairs like yeah on her face or on like with blood pulling out of her head yeah yeah and then what's weird about all those visions to me is that so she sees the little girl and then the second time she closes her eyes the little girl's like looking at her and then she comes out of it and she sees like Mm -hmm. the shape of a little girl like kind of next to her and then the third time she closes her eyes she's looking at the man that was in the kitchen and he seems to notice her So it almost makes me think she's like astral projecting in a way. Yeah, that's interesting. Because he said, who are you? To Leisha. Is she astral projecting or is she somehow like time traveling and seeing who actually lived there once upon a time? She's the ghost that they see in that moment. But then that makes me wonder, is astral projection and time travel connected in a way? Because I feel like when people astral project, they can like go to almost like different times and moments and things. Or like 
space and time don't work the same way in astral projection. So what if Mm -hmm. the way to time travel is through astral projection? I mean, it would kind of make sense because if we think of one of the encounters we read in the last episode, remember that listener story of the sort of forbidden love of like searching for the love? Yeah. And they were going through all these different doors and going to different timelines. (gasps) <gasps> and trying to find each other so oh my gosh that's kind Am of an actual genius pro- projection <laughs> i think so <laughs> there's this audio that's viral online and it's like am i better than everyone else <laughs> i feel i feel like you in this moment it's applicable it's appropriate <gasps> am i the smartest person in the world <laughs> oh Man, I feel bad for that little girl. I know, I me hope too. That she can move on. Yeah, me too. I feel like Leisha handled it the right way, where it's like, I wish I could help you. I don't know how, but mm-hmm. on our last night, like, please. Because she's worried about her own daughter this whole time when right. she's seeing things and thinking things. And she's just like, just for tonight, let's just keep it safe. Yeah, I think that's smart. Yeah. I wonder if the fact that she had kids made it more. Made the energy more riled up because there's another little girl who's probably like, ooh, friends to play with. Yeah. Or if – I mean, because we don't know the history of it, but to me it almost sounded like – based on like the very short visions, it sounded like Mm -hmm. the dad had like killed the daughter. Yeah. Did – so is she like trying to find her mom or like running to her mom and Leisha kind of reminded her of that? That is what bothers me so much is all of these stories of these victims that are stuck with the spirit of their murderer. I know. I feel like it happens so often. I hate it. Truly horrible. Yeah. Okay. I have a story for you. Okay. Hello, spoopy friends. I love, love, love this podcast. Since 1949, my family and I own and operate a kid's camp in the Colorado Rockies. It started as a resident camp with staff and campers living on site for three months of the summer. My favorite tale comes from when I was 10 or 11-ish. It was spring and it was go time, gearing up (laughs) for the staff week and camp to start. One of our new staff, Molly, arrived a little early to help get things ready, and she was the arts and crafts instructor. She went alone one morning to go clean and organize our craft cabin across the road from the main camp. The lunch bell rang and we all came back to the main lodge for a meal. My aunt and I asked Molly about her morning, and she said it went well, and she really enjoyed the help from the other friendly craft instructor. (gasps) My aunt had no idea who she was talking about, but maybe someone didn't check in with the office. It happens. So my aunt said, Oh, that's funny. We haven't sent anyone up there to help you this morning. And Molly insisted that she did indeed spend her morning with this mystery woman who claimed to be an arts instructor and went on to describe her in detail. I piped in and I said, let's go check the old photo album upstairs. So Molly and I did, and she eventually found the picture of the woman who she had interacted with. We brought the album back down to show my aunt, and my aunt, more than a little perplexed, went on to explain that that was hard to believe because the mystery woman had died a few years ago. Oh my gosh. I will never forget Molly's face or how she reacted to this news. She just started laughing (laughs) and said things like this have happened a few times. She wondered if it was a ghost or maybe just a residual energy, a memory of the old instructor. The old instructor had made her feel so welcome and shared so many great stories about the camp and our family. Wow. I don't remember if I ever asked Molly about her other encounters that she had mentioned or if she was ever visited again. It does make me think of a local legendary curse of the Boulder Valley, set upon us by an Arapaho leader who set the curse after meeting the first gold seekers in the fall of 1858. If you look up the chief Arapaho leader, Niwat, 
He allegedly said, people seeing the beauty of this valley will want to stay and their stayings will be the undoing of the beauty. Oh, I mean, that's kind of true. Yeah, that's true. I've always heard the curse goes, the beauty of this valley will always call to you to come back. My other favorite haunting is that of my grandfather who visits almost every night to survey the old lodge from the third floor, (laughs) walking slowly from the north window to the south window, down the stairs and down the hallway to where he once lived. I have a few other tales to tell you if you want them. Yes, yes. But I do need to hop off of the computer and go feed the horses. What a life. If you ever come to Colorado, I'd love nothing more than to bring you to camp. We could even do a mountain adventure to the Bigfoot outpost in Bailey. Then maybe Stanley Hotel in Estes Park. Stay spooky and give Leia a treat for me, please. Love, Josie, the mountain troll, and future ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Ooh, and she sent a picture of a lodge. Wow, that's beautiful. Quite beautiful. Wow. Oh, this is so cool. Also, the curse doesn't really seem like a curse. I feel like the curse is that the land is cursed because humans are going to destroy it because it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's too pretty. So people are going to want to keep coming back and then they're going to destroy the natural beauty of the land and not respect it. It doesn't seem like a curse on humans because it's like this land is so beautiful. Keep calling you back. And that seems wonderful for us. I mean, of course, I mean, these spirits, of course, are going to come back because they loved it there and they had these great memories. And the fact that this mystery woman helped molly set up and they had like full conversations right it was the whole morning yeah this woman isn't just helping set up she's talking to her about the family that runs the camp and all of the great stories she has from camp like this sounds like it's hours of yeah conversation i'm shook how cool and it's like the best types of hauntings yes I wonder if Molly maybe had a little bit of nerves coming into it and this woman was like, oh, let me set her at ease. Or maybe the woman saw a lot of herself in Molly Mm -hmm. and was like, oh, yes, they found an amazing arts (laughs) and crafts instructor. I vibe with her. Let me go talk to her. Let's do this together. Oh, I wonder how many kids like campers have seen the spirits. Oh, and it sounds like you'd never know. No, because they're so real. Yeah. What kid is going up to the owners of the camp and saying oh i talked to this person about those and this you would just assume they were talking about molly or whatever the instructor was and that they were confused good on josie for coming up with the idea of like let's go look at the albums of all the staff that's worked here yeah so smart wow okay this is from our listener he signed it boy spencer it's called magical things happen (laughs) near an eclipse Hey girls, I'm a relatively new listener, and this is back in 2019, so no longer new. Hopefully still with us. I hope so. <laughs> Didn't give but up have us. become immediately addicted to your podcast. It's my favorite thing to listen to while I drive around delivering pizzas. Anyway, on to the story. You might remember back in 2017 that there was a total solar eclipse passing over the states. I live in a rural coastal town in Northern California, and a few friends and I discovered that the line of totality was less than a 10-hour drive in Madras, Oregon, seeing as most people go their entire lives without ever experiencing the surrealness of a total solar eclipse. A few of us packed up several blankets and some chips and hit the road. We decided to break the trip up into a several-day mini road trip. The first night, we camped at the Umpqua Hot Springs two days before the eclipse. We got there pretty late and wanted to get on the road early, so the only chance to hit the hot springs was then, at 1 a.m. And this is where things got weird. The drive from the campground to the hot springs was only a few minutes. 
but there was an immediate shift in atmosphere when we got on the road. It was like everything became tense all of a sudden, which was odd because we had been having a great trip and were all so excited to hit the water. But that's when we saw it. It had the elongated head of a horse, but a humanoid-ish body. It was hunched as if it were trying to appear as if it was on all fours, but its shoulders were very wrong, like someone stretching their arms backwards. My mind could hardly grasp what I was looking at. It was chestnut in color, and then we were past it. My friend that saw it too was just as confused as I was and wanted to turn back and just do the hot springs in the morning when it was light out. One of the others said it was probably just a deer and we must have misseen what we were looking at. Whatever, we're tough guys. We can fight a werehorse or whatever that was. Hopefully. We get to the hot springs and there's a few miles in between us and whatever that thing was now, so we start to calm down a little. The hike up to the springs was a quick 10-minute one, so we carefully made our way up. But tensions were still high, but we were all like, it was just a long day. Maybe that's it. We made it up to the springs and it was amazing. The water and the clear moonlit night, we had it all to ourselves. At least we did when we first got there. About 10 minutes into us relaxing in the pools, we heard an eerie feminine singing coming from one of the other pools. There had been no one in that pool about a minute ago, and we had done the rounds and knew we were alone. There was only one trail leading up to the spot, and the only way to the pool where the singing was coming from was by going past the pool we were currently in. We were all weirded out, but thought maybe she was just really quiet and we hadn't noticed her pass. Also, the singing kind of set us at ease. It was beautiful, and the three of us guys were immediately entranced, wanting to go see who this mesmerizing singing was coming from. The one girl with us was freaking out at this point. She had been facing the trail the whole time and hadn't seen anyone come up, and she said the singing was making her feel sick. We told her it was fine and not to worry about it, and one by one, we got up to go see who our siren singer was. I was the last one of the boys to go. My friend Caitlin was begging me not to leave her alone, but my curiosity wouldn't allow me not to. I apologized and quickly rushed over to the other pool. So Caitlin begrudgingly followed. After we were all there, the lady stopped singing. Us boys complimented her and we introduced ourselves to her and she sang a few more songs for us. All of them creepy, a lot of dissonant notes and minor keys. The lyrics of the songs were just as creepy. Things like entire villages dying of the plague or losing several of your infant children to famine and then having to eat them. She told us a few other depressing things like how she had lost the love of her life long ago and decided she would never love again. She had this deafening, sad energy around her, but for some reason, none of us could pull away. Except Caitlin, of course, who decided to nope out of there, grabbed her boyfriend and said, yeah, I need to talk to you uh, over there now. They left back to the other pool, and this left me and the other guy. She started getting really seductive at this point, talking very openly about how having sex in a hot spring was supposed to be magical. And I immediately found myself thinking about the girl I had just started dating and was like, whoa, 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 what the hell am I doing? I stood up and told my friend we should go back to our other friends, but it was too late. He told me to go. I reminded him that he was dating my new girlfriend's best friend, and he looked at me with anger in his eyes and said, get the fuck out of here. He'd always been a peaceful guy. Outbursts were never his thing, even in times of great distress, so I knew something was wrong. The songs, the weird attraction, the strange creature we had seen driving up there. Something was going on here. 
I went back to the other pool and told the others what had happened. We speculated on what this person was. Could it have been the same thing we saw on the road? Maybe a ghost? We apologized to Caitlin for not trusting her instincts earlier. Girls just know sometimes. <laughs> About an hour later, he comes back to our pool, disoriented and drained. He said, we have to go. Caitlin wasn't having it and said, no, we've waited this long. We're going to wait and see the sunrise. It was beautiful out as the forest started to come alive with the new day. And that's when we saw her. She was out of the pool and dressed in elven style clothing. Her face had an ageless, strained beauty to it. And she looked somewhere between mid-20s to mid-40s. Every time we would look at her face, though, it seemed somehow different from the last time we looked at it, but impossible to pinpoint exactly how. It was so hard to wrap our minds around. My friend Caitlin snapped a quick picture because of how odd it seemed. We all started walking back down to the parking lot, and this woman trailed behind, but still in conversation with me at this point. I'm very polite by nature and didn't want to make her feel dejected by just flat out ignoring her and running to catch up to my group. She seemed so lonely. And she was talking so quietly, though, that I had to slow down just to hear her. I noticed my group was getting far ahead of me, and I got this feeling that if I lost sight of them, that would not be good. So I stayed in the middle, never losing sight of my friends, but close enough to her so I could listen to what she was saying. Caitlin noticed I was dragging behind and made everyone wait for me. Hell yeah, Caitlin. That's when this lady finally picked up her pace. When we got to the parking lot, we were the only people parked there. This lady said goodbye to us and just walked off into the woods, not on a trail, just into the woods. We all got chills and decided to look at the picture Caitlin took earlier and all of our stomachs dropped. In this photo, this lady had gray skin and no face. I've attached the photo for your ladies to see. I still get chills every time I see it. You can almost make out an inhuman face in the gray mass where her face should be. And it's not like she was moving or anything to mess up the picture. You can clearly see the fine points of all her clothing, which would be blurred too if she had been moving. As we drove off, none of us were really sure how to react from the experience. But I had a nagging feeling. There was just something about her name that just bothered me. It was a pretty average name, but for some reason, I just had to look it up and see what it meant. Her name was Aubrey. And in folklore, Aubrey is the leader of the elves and other fairy folk. We tripped out over that. For the rest of the drive, it was all we could talk about. And our friend who had bonked her in the pool was so confused by it all. He could hardly remember the night before. He said it seemed like some strange dream. And he said he didn't remember being alone with her at all. Wait, he actually did go <laughs> He did. With it? Yeah. Oh. Then next night, we camped on an isolated hillside, excited to see the eclipse of the next morning. And as we slept, we all had weird dreams. None of us could remember any of them, but we all woke up feeling really depressed, like a soul-wrenching depression that is nearly impossible to shake. It was fine, though, because that morning the eclipse happened, and in the darkness of a totality, we could all feel a shift, as if we were renewed, and any negativity we might have accrued was stripped from us and replaced with a clean slate. That minute in the darkness, one chapter of my life was closing, and as the sun returned was the start of a new one. I've never felt such a drastic, palpable shift of self in my life. I've already bought my ticket for the Argentina total eclipse in 2020, so let's see what stories that gets me. Wait, we need to know what happened. Much love. See you on the other side of the moon. Boy Spencer. Oh my god, did you look at this photo? <gasps> god, it's so creepy. It's so creepy. Because when you look at it, you're like, oh, this person's in like kind of costume, like a, a really weird 
the hood and everything. The hood is like so creepy and pointed. They're wearing like flip flops, like. But it almost looks like a deformed face. Like there, it almost looks like her head is down. And there's like a piece of hair. That's what I was going to say because the clothing is abnormal, but then it almost looks like they're holding a plastic bag. So you're yeah. like, oh, maybe some of this is normal. And then when you zoom in, like it the literally looks like a – so unsettling. You know the, the movie The Mask where Jim Carrey's wearing the mask? That's what the face looks like to me. Wait, Corinne. It's like kind of nondescript because you can't really see anything. It's kind of like blank and blurred out. But the lines of where you would think the chin and the nose and the cheeks are oh. seem like they're almost protruding. Okay, can I tell you something? And I feel so uncomfortable and like really scared right now because I've mentioned this before, but remember how I used to tell you like at the house I grew up in, the one where my sister was possessed, mm-hmm. I'd have these reoccurring nightmares where there was like a woman, like a really scary looking woman standing. Like I'd, I'd basically be pulled to my window and I'd look out my window and this like scary woman who I always like ref- like almost referenced her as like the Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. standing on the lawn across the street staring up into my window. I'm not kidding. When I looked at this picture and zoomed into the face, it looks like that. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, oh. I mean, what the I fuck? feel very unsettled. This is – I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not insinuating that she's following you. But I feel like with the amount of emails that we've received and stories we've received – it's inevitable that, you know, like you're finally going to get potentially some answers or or like a crossover experience. Yeah. Well, it makes me wonder if there are multiple entities that have this like ability to change faces, but when they can't, when they're not changing their face, that's what they look like, you know? Right. And they just live in the woods. She just came right out of the woods. Yeah. I mean, the way that she, it really does remind me of a siren and, yes. or like a fairy fae because- it's so entrancing. And just the men were entranced mm-hmm. by her. Right. Like, thank goodness they had Caitlyn with them because Caitlyn <laughs> could have saved their lives. I know. And the fact that they were in hot springs, too, makes me concerned that, you know, like, what if she did, like, try to drown them or or something like mm-hmm. that? Like, true mermaid style. Yeah. What if this is a mermaid? What if our understanding of mermaids is that they're strictly in the ocean? But what if it's kind of like Luca, the new <laughs> Pixar movie where... They have a version of them on land and a version of them in the water. I don't know. And their powers and abilities shift. It's also just so disturbing that she was kind of talking really quietly and whispering, like trying to get him to come back to her and closer to her and fall behind. Like alone with her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The singing is so disturbing. I mean, it does kind of also remind me, I go back to this reference a lot, but True Blood, I think it's the fairies in True Blood who like, oh no, there's like some specific woman who like comes to the town and almost seduces everyone yeah it's really interesting it also makes me think like if we go beyond i mean i think we're very much beyond ghosts at this point because this is this <laughs> is a creature of some, no this of is a creature some sort yeah but it makes me think of when we talk about like men in black or aliens or lizard people and there's a bunch of potentially a bunch of otherworldly beings beings that are not earthlings yeah. that live here and can try to fit in or shape themselves in different ways to attempt to fit in. And it makes me wonder if this is another sort of species that's just like living here on Earth. I believe it. I mean, if this is the same type of species that I saw creepily standing outside my window, then yeah, it exists yeah. in multiple places. And I truly wonder if there are other people who have had encounters like this because it does, as odd as it is, it does sound like 
something that this entity has done before. You know, it's not like a one-time thing. So I'm sure that there are many other people out there in the world who have experienced some weird entrancing lure by some creature woman. Right. And the fact that this woman just came out of nowhere too. Yeah. And that they'd seen that other – like, what? okay, so in the beginning when they were saying that they saw that like humanoid figure that also looked like an elongated face, like a, a deer. Like a horse. Deer, horse, yeah. Yeah. It just so sounded like a Wendigo to me. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Wendigos don't – I mean, they can mimic people, but I don't think there's this big elaborate singing and – yeah. I don't know what this thing is anymore. I mean, it sounds right that there's some sort of leader of fairies and elves because... Oh, my God. Wait. What if she has Boy Spencer's friend's baby? I'm, now I'm imagining Twilight where Bella, like, gets pregnant and the baby grows really, really fast. Renez, man. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. What would it be like to be that child? Are you afraid of yourself then? Because you still have the human part of you that's like fight or flight. Maybe this entity, it, like, wants to become more human or wants to have human-like creatures in the world and take over the world with the offspring. Maybe this is how black-eyed kids are made. Ah. <gasps> They're half human. They're half human. Oh, it's so creepy. I just don't get it. Looking <sighs> at the picture, every time I zoom in on the face, I'm like, it just doesn't make sense. I can't look at it anymore. It's really, really disturbing. It is disturbing. It truly is. I can't believe they like kind of left their one friend alone to I know. do the deed. But this- well, he, he kind of snapped at them. So Right. Yeah. And the fact that he doesn't really remember any of it, yeah. that's really weird. So weird. Okay, let's pretend that there's nothing paranormal about this. And this was just some woman who lives in the woods who blah, 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 blah. Are there like mold spores? Or are there some – could she sprinkle LSD on them? Like Ooh. what is the alternative here? I don't think there is an alternative because if it were drug-induced, then they all would have not remembered that night. But it's almost like only the time with her that's foggy. Right, and then they left her pretty soon thereafter. I got a, I got the three look of them. Did. Aubrey, elf queen. I want to look at pictures <laughs> later and try to try to look into that. Ooh, wow, so creepy. I'm almost like afraid to talk about it. I know nothing's really coming up. I tried to look. We'll have to go deeper, deeper on the internet. Honestly, a thing that came up said the untold truth of Aubrey Plaza. So <laughs> is Aubrey Plaza the queen of elves? <laughs> she is. It's actually a picture of her. <laughs> oh man okay this one maybe in the theme with sexual encounters is called Ooh. awkward bigfoot encounter oh and i'm just gonna let all the parents out there make a judgment call of their own given that this is more of a pg-13 rated story to either have your children not listen to this or <laughs> do you have the warning now okay <laughs> Hello, Corinne, Sabrina, and Leia. Longtime listener here and huge fan. I am from a town just outside of Portland, Oregon, so of course I grew up hearing stories of Bigfoot. I've always liked the idea of there being a Bigfoot, but would not go as far as saying I actually believed in Bigfoot. Well, that all changed in the summer of 2019 when I saw a Bigfoot. Oh my gosh. Let me preface the story by saying that it should at least get a PG-13 rating and is somewhat graphic. I've delayed sending it for a long time because it's just so shocking. And if I hadn't seen it for myself, I wouldn't believe it. Anyways, it was the summer of 2019 and my friends and I had just graduated high school. A big group of friends decided to go on a day trip to the nearby Mount Hood Forest. 
along a little river to hang out for the day. All of us are pretty outdoorsy folk, and the area we were in was pretty far from any towns. We did some hiking around, and then we cooled off in the stream. After a few hours of swimming around in the stream, we could hear something walking around in the woods on the far side of the river. We thought maybe it was a deer, but we were more cautious because this is bear country. It started to sound like heavy footsteps getting slowly closer, and we started to get a little bit nervous. It had been a fun day, so we all decided, hey, let's just call it quits and began packing up our stuff. We could now hear grunts coming from behind the trees on the other side of the river, so we frantically got in our cars to drive away. But I realized my phone was still on the rock overlooking the river playing music, so I ran back down to grab it. And what I saw is still burned in my memory. I look and see where the grunting is coming from, and I see a giant Sasquatch, probably 50 feet away behind some large pine trees. He was about seven feet tall, and massive. He looked more like a caveman than a gorilla with kind of pinkish tan skin that I could see underneath his fur. And he was just frozen standing there. And so was I. And so now here's the PG-13 part. Oh my gosh. I say he was a he because he had his huge erect penis in his hand. That's right. Oh. I seem to have caught him in the middle of some self-service. I could give more graphic detail, but I will spare the audience those images, lol. I finally was snapped out of it by one of my friends honking at me to get in the car, and I turned and I ran to them. The whole sighting probably only lasted 10 seconds, but was more than I ever thought I'd see. Oh my gosh. I sat in the car silent for a while until one of my friends asked if I had seen a bear. I said, I saw Bigfoot, and they all laughed and told me to shut up, so... I didn't feel afraid or anything, and I honestly just felt sorry as if I had invaded his privacy. But that was my encounter. I know it's not very scary, but it's still unbelievable even to me. (laughs) Anyways, I feel like you guys are my best friends, and hopefully someday I can meet you. If not, see you on the other side. Amanda. I'm unwell. (laughs) She goes back down, and they're both frozen, staring at each other like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Uh-oh. He's like, uh, one, I was not supposed to be seen ever. That's number rule in Bigfoot handbook. And now number two, you've caught me. Yes. You've caught me red-handed. <laughs> red rocket-handed. Red rocket ha- I mean, he does have pinkish skin, so I think it's probably red. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sure. The sad part is, is it was just standing there frozen in place, this Bigfoot was. And she w- had grabbed her phone. So if she really wanted to, there's a chance she could have grabbed a photo. But it's so disturbing yeah. and it's so confusing to experience something like that. I feel like even if I happened upon a human doing that, I'd be like, what? What's <laughs> happening? Yes. Well, okay. Here's the weird thing because I almost don't believe that Bigfoot didn't know that they were there because they were playing music. They were just across the way. They heard the grunting very audibly. So I imagine that unless Bigfoot has bad hearing, he must have known they were there, which makes me then question was Bigfoot servicing himself, I like the way that yes. she put it, to them, to their group having fun. Ooh. And does that then mean Bigfoot really just wants to be friends with all humans, but can't? But what type of friends? I don't know if I want to be this type of friend. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I, it's, it's all like disturbing because it does feel like Bigfoot would have hurt yeah, them. It's a bit voyeuristic. But I, I do wonder, too, if maybe maybe that was like his regular spot, you know, and then he went down to to do what he wanted to do and then heard the music and heard them and was like, you know, grunting, like doing his little Bigfoot noises to try to scare them off so that he could have his moment. And then yeah. didn't, saw them all leave thought he was in the clear, didn't realize someone was coming back for their phone. 
Oh my gosh. Or maybe he's like a teen Bigfoot and he just doesn't care. He has to get away from his parents and he's he's just going through puberty. Yeah, but you know, Bigfoot, if you're going to be around humans, you got to follow our rules. Am I disturbed by the story? Yes. Do I wish it was me instead of Amanda? <laughs> also, yes. Yes. <laughs> of course you do. I uh, wow. Oh. That is, I mean... It's kind of amazing that we have the ability to get all these stories. I mean, this is so cool. It's the weirdest story in the world. And I love that it happened and that we are allowed. We're on the receiving end of it. We get to hear it and read it. And we get to share it with people. I mean, how cool. And I think this is an appropriate platform for it, too. I think if we're going to debut on a paranormal podcast, this is on theme, on brand. Yeah. Our next feature in an article is... Bigfoot's penis. <laughs> you just keep cranking out these tabloids. Oh, man. If you've seen a cryptid's penis, share it with Tear Girl One Ghost. <laughs> Pictures encouraged. Actually, that would open up a door to a lot of that, other things. No yeah, thanks. Google flags our email. <laughs> We'd have to hire someone just to. I read somewhere that Snapchat does that, that there's like just one person who goes in and has to only one there's multiple people i was gonna say that seems like a big task they have to go and view all of the flagged photos and the person actually i think it was a tiktok that the guy was making he was an employee and he was like yep about 95 percent of them that are flagged are exactly what you think it is maybe it was a dating site website oh geez yeah i mean not to go darker but i know that like facebook has they outsource it to a group of people to like look at all five content and it's like pretty brutal. Like there's some really, really disturbing things on there. And these people are like sitting in a room for like 14 hours a day just staring at terrible content. That would be so hard. You'd have to basically desensitize yourself walking in. But then how do you how do you take off that hat when you go back to your life after your shift? Yeah. I don't it's, know. That's how I view people who work with child predators. I think it would be so mentally tolling to have to see the things that they have to see and the things they have to hear every day i'd be i'd have to go to therapy like yeah five hours a day yeah it should also be provided true for people like hopefully it is okay well to lift this up a little bit i do have a nice email which is a surprise for me but this is from our listener morgan and it's called the protective force around camp tech hello my ghostly friends i have been listening for a while now and have been trying to catch up slowly but surely I just finished through Halloween 2018, so I'm happy to have another year's worth of episodes to go. So far, I haven't heard any camp stories or ghostly priests, so here is one to add to those categories. For three summers, I worked at Camp Tekawitha in Shawano, Wisconsin. I went to this camp since I was 12, and I've always felt safe and closest to my faith here. I even took the name Kateri Tekawitha as my confirmation name since I'm Catholic and this is the patron saint of the camp. Over my years at camp, there were many ghost stories that I heard and many that were made up. But there was one that stuck with me and I believe feeds into an occurrence or two that I experienced while working there. This is a true story. It was reported in the local papers and still has people baffled. The camp is nearly 100 years old but has lots of history. From 1945 to 1967, Bishop Bona was the bishop of the Green Bay Diocese. Since the camp is run through the diocese, Bishop Bona was a big supporter and really good at raising money for the camp. There's still a rec hall on site named Bishop Bona Hall 
that is used for a whole lot of things with a creepy picture at the back of the building of Bona himself where his eyes 100% follow you. I guess I shouldn't say creepy, but as a 12-year-old, I did not like it. (laughs) Bona died in 1967, but that was not the end of him visiting camp. In the late 1990s and early 2000s, camp wanted to build some new buildings, including cabins 8 and 9, the nurse's lodge, a new chapel, and a new lodge. They were raising money and had enough to build the first few, but did not have the funds to take down the old lodge that sits at the front of the camp. They decided to keep moving forward in the process and believed the money would come in eventually. The lodge was stripped of everything inside, the electricity was disconnected, and the last person in the building was a plumber disconnecting all the water. The plumber was in the upstairs bathroom located at the end of a long, narrow hall with only one way up or down. Hearing a noise from the hallway, the plumber looked to see who had joined him as he was the only one on the property. Surprised, he saw a figure at the end of the hall dressed in priest's robes, standing and staring at him. Spooked, the plumber quickly finished his work and left the property, noting that no other cars were in the small lot. The next day, a local was driving past camp and noticed smoke billowing over the treetops and pulled into the lot to find the lodge in flames. The police and fire departments were called, but the fire department was already aware that the lodge was due to be taken down anyway, so they were able to control the fire to stay only on the lodge. There is only one remnant of the fire that can still be seen today on the back of large wooden swinging bench that used to sit by the lodge. It has black charred marks showing how hot the fire got. We believe that this was the last offering Bishop Bona gave to Camp Tech, and we often call on him to do the same for our old dinghy sandbox which is what we call the bathroom slash shower house for the campers because it is in great need of replacing. We haven't heard from Bishop Bona in the same ways, but I think he is still present at camp to protect it from harm, whether it be from ignorant visitors or the natural elements. For example, I have a story related to that. My second summer, I was head of boating and I was out on one of my first canoe trips with a retreat group who are not my normal campers. We didn't go too far into Loon Lake before I noticed the clouds moving in quickly and turning a darker color than I was comfortable with. I started getting the boys to turn back when a call went over the radio. Attention, all camp staff, get all campers to the rec hall immediately. Almost seconds after the call went out, I heard tornado sirens start blaring in every direction around me. My co-counselor didn't have a radio, so he didn't quite understand the hustle behind my paddling and the urgency in my voice. I was in a kayak at the front, and so I made it to the dock before everyone else. There was another counselor on the dock trying to help, but all she was doing was screaming to paddle faster and causing more chaos than needed. These boys were 8 to 10 years old, so they were doing the best that they could and didn't need to get more scared than they already were. Once I got to the dock, I had four to six canoes behind me that were struggling with the wind to make it to the dock. I ditched my kayak at the dock and started ravenously swimming to get each and every boat docked to safety and the kids to shore. My heart was racing, and all I could do was go into mama bear mode to protect my little cubs. Swimming back and forth until I got each boat to shore, I finally made my way up to the rec hall and realized my foot had a deep cut in the middle of it. I was annoyed at myself for not wearing my beloved Chacos during the trip, which would have saved my foot, but I was still proud of myself for getting all the little cubs to safety. We stayed in the rec hall, which is Bishop Bona Hall, for almost an hour before we got the A-OK from the director. I learned that there had been tornadoes that touched ground in every direction around us in a 20 to 30 mile radius, but not a single one of them entered the camp. 
We were completely untouched by the storms and even enjoyed a beautiful rainbow afterward. This isn't nearly as spooky as the stories I hear you ghostesses read on the podcast, but it is something that always brought me comfort and what I would tell campers who were nervous about being away from home for a week. The world is not full of negative energy and we just have to look on the bright side when things seem dull. I love listening to your podcasts, but sometimes y'all scare me more from your own reactions and add-ons <laughs> that I have to force some breaks to bring myself back from reality. Also, fun fact, I live in the basement. No. <laughs> JK, it's not super creepy, and I have three cats for protection, so I think I'm safe. <laughs> Keep up the amazing work and give out some kitty cuddles for me. I love hearing the meows, whether they are real or just mimicked. Stay super spooky, and I'll see you on the other side. Much love, Morgan. What a lovely story. It is lovely. Tornadoes are actually my stress dream. I've never lived through a tornado. I've never mm -hmm. lived in an area of tornado happenings. But I Me understand either, because it's in my dreams. The fear of when the sirens Terrifying. hit. And to think you're out on the water. Like water is hard enough to navigate when just the wind picks up yeah. or when there's waves. And then you have kids too. So, yeah, oh my it's not God, just I, you, you have to be worried about. She had to have been full panic mode. And the fact, I mean, we don't have to, I could talk about this in therapy, but the fact that you cannot predict tornadoes and like where they're going to go, what pattern mm -hmm. they're going to fly in, like for there to have been that many tornadoes going within 20 to 30 mile radius of the camp and not a single one of them touched the camp. It was like a big protective orb was yeah. around it. A shield. <gasps> I was being saved by Bishop Bona. Yes, all the campers were saved by him. Yeah. Wow. Oh. I am also curious if the camp got money to rebuild a new lodge after that one got like burnt down because like insurance wise, I wonder if Bishop Bona burnt it down so that they can get the funding for the new one. Or what if the original camp was not structurally sound or had no safe spaces for campers to go if there were a tornado and so knowing that soon mm. there would be tornadoes in the future maybe he burned it down so they'd have to build a brand new one that was safer for all the campers to huddle in yeah i wonder what the timeline was mm -hmm. also what do you do what are you supposed to do when there's a tornado warning and you're like at a campground think about like i'm I just mean, thinking of like tennessee have... like how many campgrounds there are just in tennessee yeah with, the river and smoky mountains and all of that yeah, and that's tornado no country i have no idea if any of you live in those areas please let us know what you do how do you find safety yes i do know that certain roads have like ditches like little embankments little oh. pipes for you to essentially crawl into well give us lessons on tornadoes that's what we need yeah how do we survive all right i'll tell you the subject line of this one and then okay. I'm sure you'll probably forget halfway through me reading it, but it's called A Ghost Played a Prank with Me. Ooh. Hi, my lovely ghostesses. My name is Marie. I stumbled upon your podcast while looking for horror podcasts to listen to and keep me awake while working. I listened to one episode and I got hooked. You are such lovely ladies. Your giggles and laughs are contagious. And there's so much about you ladies and what you do that I can relate to. So a little bit about Aww. me. I'm from the Philippines. I got a degree in psychology, and I love cats. Woo. I've attached some photos of my fur babies. <laughs> I think I'm mildly sensitive. It's been like this ever since I can remember. I was in second grade when I complained to my dad about seeing shadows out of the corner of my eye, and when I looked, they would disappear. Then when I was in high school, I used to get sleep paralysis every single night, to the point that when it happens, I groan and ask, when are you going to stop? 
But <laughs> when it does stop, I look at my watch and it's exactly 2 a.m. Like I glance at it and the second hand just landed on 12. It happens when I look at my phone too. I look and it's 1.59 a.m. And then a millisecond later, it changes to 2 a.m. It freaks me out so much that to this day, I don't look at any clocks when I wake up in the middle of the night. When I was in college, I did a bit of witchcraft and boy, this I regret. I will step foot in a house or a room and I will just know that it's haunted, where the aura is the strongest and if it means harm or not. I've got stories to share too, but let me give you one for now, which is the subject of this email. A ghost played a prank with me. Yes, <laughs> you read that right. With me, not on me. I'll try to make this story short, but as a writer too, I tend to describe everything so you can picture it out of your head. I'm a prankster. I love playing pranks on all my five younger siblings. Yes, we are a big family. And yes, I am the eldest. So yes, I have every right to prank. <laughs> not just on my siblings, but also on my office mates. Just a few harmless pranks here and there. Like waiting quietly in a blind spot so when people pass by, I jump up and scream at them. I've given a few people many heart attacks. <laughs> <laughs> so I work in an office where everyone is super close, including the boss and the managers. We treat each other like family. We love each other so much. Last December, we had our year-end Christmas party in a resort far from the city. Let me describe this resort a little bit. It looks like you're in a forest with a couple of cabins spread across. So basically, I'm picturing it as like glamping. Yeah. We had to climb a few stairs before reaching the main hall, which was like a huge open tent. We can see the beach from there, and there are also a few stairs that you can take to go down to the beach. I mentioned that these cabins are far apart. I guess they made it that way so that guests in one cabin don't disturb the other. Because these cabins are not really close to each other, there's one person in each cabin assigned a walkie-talkie or a radio or whatever you call them. And that way, if there's any need to gather everyone, it's easy to just radio all of us in. So we had the entire resort to ourselves. We were the only guests. It was great and nice and everyone enjoyed it. And after the main event, we all went back to our assigned cabins. There are about eight or 10 women in each cabin. My colleague, let's call her Sue, was the one responsible for the radio in our cabin, but she left it in the main hall. And we were about to play cards when we found out that Violet, who's from a different cabin, found our radio and kept it. So we tried contacting her through the phone. I contacted another person with a radio to reach her, but he was at the docks and he didn't have his radio with him. Even if he did have it, he was too far away. So Sue, myself, and another person, May, decided to visit Violet's cabin. I think it was around 11 p.m. and the party had just ended, so we were still full of energy. <laughs> the way to Violet's cabin was creepy. There was a stone pathway and there's barely any light. We were surrounded by trees and it was quiet. We were chatting quietly on our way when I blurted out, I want to play a prank. The moment I said it, I swear I felt as if someone else was there and had heard me. <laughs> but because I was in such a good mood, I ignored that feeling. So when May just giggled, they know how much of a prankster I am. We've reached Violet's cabin. How it looks like is important. The walls are made of thin wood. The windows are made of screen. At the right, you'll find a thick bamboo forest with a small canal gutter in between the cabin and the bamboo forest. And on the left side is a connected cabin, but nobody stays there. Behind the cabin is like a huge rock mountain formation. It's difficult to walk around the cabin wearing slippers because of the sharp stones around. So I raised my hand to stop May and Sue from moving forward. I gestured that we should go to the right side of the cabin just underneath the closest window because we couldn't go any further than that. It was 
much too difficult. I was just below the window with Sue right beside me, but because we can't fit anymore, May decided to stay at the edge of the wall. So I slowly creeped up to the window just as someone pulled the curtains shut and I knocked on the walls. First, they were soft knocks, but there wasn't any reaction from inside. So I used my phone and I tapped the wall. Sue was trying really hard not to laugh. I gave four loud knocks. I can't dare do three knocks, lol. (laughs) Then silence. Then I hear them scurrying inside and muttering. I heard Violet shout, who's there? I did it again. I motioned for Sue to scratch the wall and for May to do the same, which she did. And we heard terrified screams inside. Ugh, oh, I'm such God. a horrible person. I know. Sigh. Mind oh, you, love we this. didn't. <laughs> Mind you, we didn't move an inch from our spot. We did this for only about a minute before I heard Violet calling for help on the radio in a very calm voice. She's such a brave and strong woman. So I motioned for all of us to stop and to walk up the front steps. I knocked on the front door and I heard Violet ask, who's there? I was laughing so hard that I just could not respond. But since she didn't open the door, I knocked again. When she asked, this time I took a deep breath and I responded, it's me, Violet, it's Marie. But still, nobody opened the door and it was oddly quiet inside. But at this time, I didn't mind it. So I knocked on the door again. And this time I didn't wait for a response. I just said, it's Marie. I need Sue's radio. The door swung open and I walked in literally rolling in laughter May and Sue just went in and stood by the door giggling. Violet was so confused. She asked, why are you laughing? That was us, I said. We were the ones scratching on the walls. (laughs) But we were met with silence. And I looked up and I saw everyone huddled except Violet close to the wall on the left, on the bed that's in the middle. I saw the terrified looks on their faces. So I sat up and said, hey guys, no need to be scared. It was just us. You actually climbed on the roof to scare us, said Violet. That just wiped my smile off my face and I felt goosebumps. What do you mean? I asked. You were the one knocking on the wall and making the scratching sounds? She asked. Yes. Why? I slowly asked. How did you climb up on the roof? I just froze and a cold chill ran up my spine. Just remembering it now still gives me a chill. It's impossible to climb up on the roof, Violet. We were just in the one corner. I pointed at the window that's to my right side closest to the corner of the room. Just below that window, I said. Get inside, said Violet to Sue and May. So they did, and we closed the door behind them. That's where the knocking started, Violet started. But the knock suddenly went around the cabin all the way to the back so fast it seemed like someone had just made knocking sounds and ran around the cabin. But it's impossible to go around the cabin, I said. The rocks are too sharp, and there's a mountain behind you. Sue and May nodded in agreement. That's not all, Violet said. It also went up and over the roof. It was like a combination of knocks and scratches, and we were all so terrified, Marie. It was like someone or something crawled up the walls onto the roof, and it happened so fast, but it felt like forever before it stopped. Maybe it was just an echo? Sue spoke. I can tell the difference between an echo and the real thing, Sue, and that was not an echo. Everybody here can attest to that. I looked at all the other girls huddled together. There were two of the toughest girls in the huddle, and I've never seen them so fucking scared. I felt cold all over. One, because of shame for the trauma that I caused, but also because of dread. I didn't mean for an entity to join us. I looked at Sue and May, and they just looked back with scared looks. I tried to make them feel better, but I just can't. I can't believe what happened to them. We told them everything that we did step by step, the knocking, then the scratching, and then we swore we were only close to the edge, not even close to the middle of the cabin. I found out Violet had yelled and asked multiple times who was there, but I had only heard her ask three times. Mind you, the walls were thin. We would have clearly heard her. I mean, I heard her talk on the radio in a calm voice, so I should have heard her shouting. 
when I knocked on the door, one of the ladies said that she shouted, if you're really Marie, you should recognize my voice easily. Who am I? But I didn't hear a single damn thing except Violet's voice. We didn't want to go back out. So I had to radio in one of our managers and a male colleague to come pick us up and bring us back to our cabin. (laughs) I hugged all of the terrified ladies and said my apologies. I apologized to them until we met the next day, even until we were back in the office. But I was too traumatized from that moment. I just couldn't play pranks because of that. I couldn't sleep when we reached our cabin. I felt like someone was behind the window waiting for me to open it. I love all my colleagues and they are all very forgiving. We went through the rest of the days and forgot about it. But this was the second most terrifying thing that happened to me. The first is another story. That's my story, ladies. Super long, but bear with me. It's my first time writing into a podcast that I listened to. Ha ha. So till next time, see you on the other side. Much love, Marie. Marie, we need to know your most scary encounter. Yes. Uh, What a great little like teaser to leave us with. I know. Marie's a writer. She knows what she's doing. Marie, I'm shook. Also, Corinne, we were talking about being able to climb the walls and everything. Yes. In the beginning of this episode, I think the answer to your question is of how can we do that is become a ghost. Become a ghost. Oh, and just the fact that she said, I want to play a prank and then immediately felt like the air change around her and like this excited energy. It's like it is like looking back at it. It's now like retelling the story. It is funny because it's just like this ghost was joining in on the fun or at least it seems like that. So I feel like it's easy to now after the fact, look at it and laugh. But in the moment, those poor girls, poor Violet and those other women in the cabin. And the fact that whatever this entity was like in disabled them from hearing one another through the door. Yeah, that's what's creepy. It monitored how much each party could hear going on. There were moments where. Which is like. It means that it enjoyed the fear. It was instilling a little too much. You know what this spirit reminds me of? What? Did you ever watch the show New Girl? Of course. Okay. Remember how Winston is a big prankster, but he's terrible at pranks? Mm -hmm. He either goes too little or he goes way too big. Mm -hmm. So it's either like he'll put like a hair over your shoelace and you don't even notice it. Mm -hmm. Or he'll literally like burn your shoes in a dumpster and then like throw you in the fired dumpster. Uh I feel like this is the spirit. This is character Winston's spirit in Ghost (laughs) Taking it a little too far. Just going way too hard on this prank. Scaring the shit out of everyone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like instead of just being like, oh, I'm going to stand on the other side and knock or I'm also going to scratch. Just like, what is it called? The roadrunner. Just going around the whole cabin, like knocking, scratching. So terrifying. And climbing with like superhuman speed. Yeah. That's what's creepy. The superhuman speed. Anything that's going a little too slow or a little too fast freaks me out. It's like super unsettling. Just be a normal pace. (laughs) Wow. I bet that teaches Marie a little bit of a lesson of not to play pranks on people in the middle of the woods. I really want to know what resort this is. I'd consider going there. Me too. But now we know there's an entity there. Ooh, I wonder if we can look it up and see if there are any ghosts known to be there. Yes. Oh, we should. I just also think it's fun walkie-talkies and glamping and uh, I don't know. I want to go to a summer camp for adults. That would be fun. You can come with me. The last story I have is from our listener Maddie and it's called Something Worse Than Mosquito Bites. Hello, ghostesses. My name is Maddie and I am a painting student in Portland, Maine. I recently discovered your podcast and have been binge listening every chance I get when I'm working away in my studio. I have had a handful of paranormal experiences throughout my life and consider myself to be sensitive, 
but not super open to experiencing things. In this email, I want to focus on one experience that happened over the summer while I was camping with my boyfriend, my roommate, and some of their friends. I have grown up in Maine my entire life, but the extent of my outdoorsiness has been going to the beautiful Maine beaches and coast or hiking. This past summer was my first time ever tent camping, and I am not a huge fan of bugs, although they love me, and I don't love grass, which I know is a little weird. I'd much rather paint nature than touch it. So in July, we headed up north to Millinocket to go camping right at the base of Baxter State Park. Once we got to the campsite, we put our tents together, set up our sleeping bags, got all around settled for the weekend. We brought camp food like hot dogs and eggs and bacon, all the things we could cook over our fire, and of course, booze, lots and lots of booze. I was already a bit apprehensive about sleeping outdoors in what was, to me, the wilderness, which gets dark and quiet and creepy at night, so I was welcoming all the alcohol the first night we were at the campsite. We lit our fire and sat around it with a cover over our head prepared for the inevitable rain we were about to get that weekend. We talked and drank until we were having trouble keeping our eyes open, and my boyfriend and I finally got into our tent, and as soon as we laid down, my anxiety about the time we had until the morning set in. I just had an uneasy feeling from the time it started to get dark. I had purchased a couple battery-operated mini lights because I knew I was going to be scared of the dark, and after about 20 minutes of being in the tent and fighting my sleepiness, it started to downpour outside. The sound of the rain was a soothing white noise and eventually helped me fall asleep. But then, somehow I found myself awake and frozen and knew instantly that it had been hours after I had been fighting sleep. I could feel my heart racing and I looked to the tent opening where it unzips and started to shake. Oh, and yeah, I was sleeping on the outside closest to the zipper door of the tent because my boyfriend snored to my right on the inner part of the tent. Anyway, I could feel eyes on me, and as I looked up to the opening of the tent, I saw a white, misshapen face with the most terrifying, piercing eyes, the color of an icy blue-green, with a black hat-like center and sharp, jagged teeth, with two claw-like hands with nails that were sharp to a point and black at the cuticles down to an almost ombre at the point, all of which was zipped into the opening of the tent doorway, just staring at me. Oh, it zipped in. So disturbing. reaching out, trying to grab me. I felt like I was frozen in fear forever before I could finally come to, shaking and crying, and as soon as I had seen it, the figure was gone. Too afraid to talk about what I had seen as I shook my boyfriend awake, all I could muster up to say was that I was freaked between tears. It wasn't until we were riding home did I tell him what I had actually seen, and I am not sure what it was or what I saw or if maybe it was just sleep paralysis. I have had instances where I have seen things and been frozen, and then it feels like hours and like time has stopped as the experience happens. But I honestly do not know what this was. Maybe you both will have a better idea. Otherwise, camping in Katahdin is beautiful, but I honestly don't know if I will ever go again after this. Thanks for reading. See you on the other side, Maddie. Don't. I would never go back again either. No. I'm picturing from Game of Thrones, the, what is it, like King of the North? No. That's White Walker. Jon Snow. Yes. That's what I'm picturing. Doesn't it kind of sound like that? Yeah. Kind of. I don't think he has, maybe he does have claws. 
But it does kind of sound like that. But for it to be like half zipped into the tent yeah, and then like reaching out. Uh, I am curious that when she kind of came to and it was or like as quickly as it disappeared, I'm curious if the tent was kind of still half unzipped. Like as if oh. it had just disappeared. Also, I don't know. I'm just I just have so many questions. Like <laughs> if the thing I mean, the thing would have had to unzip itself, like unzip the tent to get itself in there. Yeah. So yeah, it, I feel like it's doing this out of fear, out of the enjoyment of disturbing people with its image. Because if it was truly after them, wouldn't it have unzipped the whole thing and just gone on in? Right. We also don't know what the bottom half of the body looks like. Maybe it's not able to. Maybe it's got little T Rex arms. Oh, maybe it has like a really big butt and it couldn't get it. Yeah, big booty, but big, big booty on the booty, front. Big booty cryptid. <laughs> big booty cryptids, baby. <laughs> it's a problem that all cryptids have to deal with. And <laughs> they just got. Too much junk. I'm now picturing like an advertisement. Are you a cryptid suffering from big booty problems? <laughs> oh, man. I hope someone draws a big booty cryptid out there. <laughs> someone who's artsy. Someone talented. Yeah. Please. Help us I can out. try to draw it, but it's not going to be anything good. No. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. That's my This thing is my disturbing. Butt. And the fact that <laughs> that's a really good butt. Thank you. That's a cute butt. Thank you. I like it. I just think the fact that a lot of these stories that we just read are all so incredibly different. And there's just so much you can encounter in the woods. <laughs> it's scary. I know. It's disturbing. It's disturbing. I mean, from that fae fairy entity in the hot springs mm -hmm. to Bigfoot to whatever this was. I mean, it's just like uh, we talked about this recently and I can't remember when or for what reason, but I'm sure it was prompted by something. But just like. How many things can exist in the woods that we just don't understand, that we haven't seen, that we don't have a name for? Right. And could be alien creatures, could just be, I don't know, who knows? Yeah. I mean, there's a ton. And I feel like from hearing what's going on in these encounters, there are two more that I'd never heard of, like this creature that zipped itself into the tent and then also this potential leader of elves and fairies. <sighs> We're just collecting cryptids at this point. Collecting collectors. creatures. Okay, I have one for us to wrap up with. Okay. It's called My Dad is Bigfoot and Other Cryptid oh. Stories. Good evening, my spooky friends. Let me start out by saying that I grew up in an old farmhouse that's been in my family since it was built in 1882. To make it even creepier, this house is less than a mile away from the highway 666. <gasps> it's Ooh. called 491 now because they changed the name back in 2003. This is a recipe for some chilling experiences, if I've ever heard one. And I'll share a few of my cryptid stories tonight, but I also have some ghost stories that I'll write in another email. To start us off with a banger, let's talk about skinwalkers. Yeah. My friends and I go camping every chance we get in the summertime. We usually end up in some wooded area called Boggy Draw, which is very close to where we live. A few years ago on our first camping trip of the summer, my friend, let's call him R, found a few sticks tied together in a triangle shape hanging from a tree. Think Blair Witch Project. That's immediately what I thought. Yep. Something that is interesting is that the Navajo culture triangles can represent everlasting life, which is why some people become skinwalkers so they can live forever. Spooky, huh? Well, I thought so too, and so did many of my friends. And we told him not to touch it. But of course, he's a teenage boy, so he had to touch it. 
Oh, no. But then he went a step further and he stole it. He kept it in Mm. his truck for the rest of summer and strange things happened to us when camping up there for as long as he had it, but only when R was around. I could probably write a book of experiences from that summer, but I'll just tell you two of the scarier ones so I can fit some other stories in. One night, I was sleeping in the back of my boyfriend's car and I woke up feeling very uneasy. I noticed his dog was awake too and I could feel him shaking, which was very unusual. He was a big, happy dog who never had anxiety issues. I opened my eyes and there was a person looking in the window at me. After a second, they turned and ran back into the trees faster than a person should be able to run, especially in the pitch dark. The next morning, I asked if anyone had gone pee by the car or got up and walked around at night. But everyone said that they hadn't. Another time, there was a pair of eyes circling the camp. It's not strange to see deer eyes or even coyotes, but whatever this thing was, was speaking to us. We heard our dog's names being called, like someone was trying to get them out into the woods. I have a pit bull who barks every time she sees anyone, even when she sees me. But she was not barking at whatever was saying her name in the woods. She was just looking. Some people tell me that it was just a creepy person, but people's eyes don't reflect light like the ones that we were seeing. One of my friends shot her rifle into the woods to scare whatever it was off, and we didn't hear anything for the rest of the night, but the dogs were definitely on edge. Near the end of the summer, we convinced R to put the triangle back where he had found it, and we haven't had any experiences like that camping up there since. The next story is a little shorter, but it also gives me chills to think about. One night, I was driving with my friend N back from a party. We were taking back roads because I didn't like driving on 491-666 at night because there were a lot of car accidents. We were coming up to the turn of the dirt road that teenagers in the area like to go mudding and have sex on. Everyone calls Skinwalker Lane. Not relevant to the story, but I thought you girls would appreciate that fun fact. I saw the silhouette of a dog and the reflection of eyes in a ditch. But as we got closer, I realized that that was not a regular dog. My headlights did not illuminate it at all, and the dog remained just an extremely dark black silhouette. It had no dimensions to it. It just looked like a shadow. I drive on these roads, and I see deer, cats, dogs, and ditches a lot. And when my brights are on an animal, you can see it pretty well, even when it's really dark out. My friend did not see this dog, but as we were passing it, she turned to me and asked if I farted. It smelled strongly of sulfur in the car, and neither of us had farted, which makes me think, I saw a hellhound that night. We ended up sleeping together at her house because I was not about to walk by myself, even just from my car to the front door of my house after seeing that. Since this email is very long, I will just share one last story, the one I know you've all been waiting for. It is much more lighthearted than the other one, so it seems like a good one to end off on. When I was in middle school, my dad and I moved into a one-room cabin near a ski area called Purgatory. It had no electricity or running water, and we had to walk a half mile from the car to the cabin in the winter because my dad's car couldn't make it up the snow. My dad is a tall man with a big beard and pretty wild hair, so we always jokingly called him Bigfoot or Chewbacca. A few weeks (laughs) after we moved into the cabin, an article came out talking about how there had been an influx of Bigfoot sightings in the area. Was it about my dad and people (laughs) mistaking him for Bigfoot? Or did he just invite his brother in over when we moved? The world may never know, but I think my dad truly is Bigfoot. And he was just romping around (laughs) with his pals and got caught. Maybe they had a few too many beers. I hope you enjoyed my stories. I really love the podcast, even though my boyfriend thinks I'm crazy for listening to it. I also left a few dog photos to brighten your day. I'll see you on the other side. Veronica. (gasps) The dogs are so cute. puppies are so cute. Oh my god, that puppy at the end. Oh, puppy <gasps> bellies. I want to kiss the little oh, feet. Oh, look at the little face. Lab oh. is adorable. And the pit bull. Look at the little pit bull, like salt and pepper around 
I front, know. His sweet little mouth and his little eyebrows. Ugh. Love him. Wow. So precious. So precious. I hate whatever it was in that first story calling the dogs names because if it's a person, then it had to be studying them for long enough to learn their dog's name. Yes. If it was a ghost, still equally as scary because it's watching you. The fact that it just moved at inhuman speed too, I don't know. I mean, clearly it's affected by the item being stolen. It's a little token being stolen. That's true. And it doesn't sound like just a regular human. It sounds a bit supernatural. Yeah. Again, what is out there in the woods? Right. The other thing I'm thinking of is like, what if it is a human that's just been so taken over and like so possessed by this dark entity that it actually does kind of, this person has this like almost hybrid powers that they're not in control of in terms of their- Isn't that kind of very skinwalker Yeah. Oh, oh my God. My oh. charger just dropped and it gave me a heart attack. Ooh. We've said the name too many times. Eek! Skinwalker, skinwalker. Ah, oh, don't say it again. Skinwalker. This is why it's nice for them to have dogs and their friend who has a gun to come. <laughs> Makes you feel safer, but it's still, it's terrifying to experience something like that. As I get older, I just am more and more terrified of camping or like kind of staying anywhere that's not my home because I'm just terrified of being murdered. <laughs> and so like, I don't think I will ever feel – I kind of feel like how Maddie feels from my last story, just like not for yeah, me. I feel that. Hiking, I'm down to hike. I'm super down to hike. Daylight, give it to me. But I need like lots of locks, right. maybe like a security system and a knife under my pillow. I agree with you. I've become much more of a homebody. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like we're going to enter the woods anytime soon. <laughs> but if you guys but do. we love these stories. Other spooky tales to tell us. And they don't have to be spooky. We read all types of stories. Please email them to us at twogirlsonegoespodcast at gmail.com. And there are a variety of ways to support our podcast. Like rate and review us on iTunes, please. iTunes. Attains. Five stars only. Good reviews only. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you have any constructive criticism, you can absolutely email it to us at any time. But make sure it's constructive. Don't be mean. You can also follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter. We have TikTok. We're in TikTok stars. You can also see us featured on Daily Star News. Featured. <laughs> featured. Featured. Featured in one story now like a month ago, but we're still riding one that story. high. They publish like a hundred stories a day, but we're there. Yeah. We're there. We made it, baby. But we're there. Also, we matter. Also, thank you to Aiden and the team at Upfire Digital for editing the podcast and for always being so flexible and so great with the many problems we present each yeah. week. <laughs> and we will see you on the other side. side.